Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. is doing extremely well today. I'm so happy to see you all as we start this brand new series entitled Alter Ego. And this uh, particular series is based off of the book written by one of my favorite pastors and writers, uh, a, a gentleman by the name of Craig Groeschel. Uh, and uh, it's a really, really good book. And so um, if you're familiar with what an altar is, an altar is where we you know, we, we, lay, we lay down a sacrifice. We make an, uh, a sacrifice at the altar. And so that's, that's not a misspelling. It's intentional that uh, Craig Rochelle spelled altar that way because we're laying down our ego at the altar. And, and, and if you're familiar with what an ego is, our ego is uh, what we believe or think about ourselves. It's what we believe or think about ourselves, good or bad or whatever. Sometimes a lot of us think too much of ourselves and in other cases, many of us don't think enough of ourselves. And whatever that image of you is that, that, that prevents you from being the image that God say you are, we're going to lay that down. If you're feeling inadequate, if you're feeling not qualified, if you're feeling a, a certain type of way about yourself, we want to lay that at the altar of God and then re- and allow him to reveal who we are in his eyes. That's what we're going to do over these next few weeks. Um, the first week today, we'll talk about uh, our feelings of being inadequate, our feelings of inadequacy. And then the following week, we'll do uh, our need for control. Uh, our, our ego tells us that in many cases, we, we need to have our hands on the wheel. We need to kind of be in control of our life. We, we feel that if we have some control, if, if I can just put my hands on the wheel and I can kind of see where God is taking me, then, then I'll be okay. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You have to kind of like close your eyes and drive with the wheel and, and trust that I'm going to get you to your destination. It's almost like you ever play that game where somebody be standing behind you and you just have to fall freely and trust that they're going to catch you? Not many of us are good at that. I, I'm the first to admit it. I mean, depending on who it is behind me, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's Brandon, then I'll close my eyes and fall. If it's Sam, I might look back first. <laughs> I, have to, I have to pick on my big brother. I, it would not be a mosaic service if I don't pick on him a little bit. But, but, but that's what it is. 
we have to relinquish control of our lives to God. So uh, week two will deal with um, our need for control. Week three is really interesting. It will we'll talk about our need to be offended, our right to be offended. I'm sorry. We'll talk about our right to be offended. Our ego tells us that because of who we are, uh, because of life, we have a right to be offended. I got a right to be offended that that person cut me off. They could have put their blinker on. They knew it. They knew I was coming. We have a right to be offended because somebody didn't say hello to me today. Our culture has told our ego that you have a right to be offended. That's going to be a really interesting week. Invite all of your friends, cousins, frenemies, and all of that good stuff. Your scandal-watching partners, bring all of them here. What? What? Y'all got a little excited on that. Okay. The final week, we'll wrap it up with our longing for approval our longing for approval. Oh, my goodness. So many of us are guilty of that. We, we seek approval from our friends, from our parents. I mean, I'm almost 40 years old, and it still matters if my dad is on board with whatever I'm doing. I'm serious because he's just been that influential in my life, but I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room. Our need for approval from our peers, our family, our, our workers. So these are what we're going to cover in the next four weeks, and then we're going to lay all of this down at the altar, and let God reveal who we are. Let us pray, and then we'll jump right into this. Eternal and gracious God in heaven, thank you for yet another opportunity to stand before your people as your ambassador. God, I thank you for this incredible word that, that even as I studied it and, and went over it, ministered to me almost immediately. So, God, today, uh, I, I, I'll be the first to lay down, my, lay down at the altar my ego, the image that I see of myself. I'll be the first to lay that down today, God. God, if you would, as I lay that down, I just want to move out of the way so that the voice that the people hear is indeed your voice. And the image that the people see today uh, doesn't look much like Broderick, but more like Jesus. And so God bless me with that today. Honor these words. I pray that they're authentic to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll tell you, my first, <laughs> my first uh, realization of being inadequate happened uh, after Erica uh, became pregnant with Junior. Brooke and Junior, in case you don't know, we call them twins because they're very close in age. They're only 15 months apart. And so it was our first child. Brooke was our first child. We thought, we, we got this. We can handle that. You know, she's babysat before, and, you know, I've, I've watched kids too, and I had, like, I got, like, a bunch of God kids. I, I'm, I, just, I don't even know how many. Everybody asked me, you know. And so, and so uh, we, have, we had a little bit of experience uh, parenting or, or watching kids. And so when we had Brooke, we were cool. We had read books, you know, uh, you know, the, the number one parenting book, all of that stuff. We did that, and we had our moms and parents, and so we would be okay. But what they didn't prepare us for was that we would still be happily in love after baby number one, and things would happen, and just 15 months later, boom, another kid. 14 months, I'm sorry, 14 months later. And so we felt completely inadequate because we're like, man, we've, we're trained, we're ready to handle Brooke. But two babies in, a diap- in diapers, two babies that, 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 that are, one is on the bottom. And I mean, two babies at the same time, this is going to be crazy. How are we going to do it? And at the same time, uh, her job that she was working with gave her time off, but unpaid maternity. I was, and that was the first discovery I found out that in America, you're not required to be paid for leave of absence for maternity. 
flipped my lid. I was like, I want to change that. We'll fight about that later. But nonetheless, you know, so we had to go through two periods of not having uh, financial covering. And I says, man, we are not prepared to be good parents. I felt completely inadequate as a parent. And well, you, you also ain't seen my kids. They're, they're okay. You know, they're good kids. They're beautiful kids. They're smart and, and handsome and, and all of that good stuff. But we felt completely inadequate. Many of us are like that today as well. You know, we, 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 we drive through certain neighborhoods and look at houses and say, man, I mean, I, I, what do they do for a living? I want, I want that. Or, or just you may have a lunch meeting at the mall and the mall is packed. You're like, how is it packed in the middle of the day? Do these people actually work? How do they afford this? Or, or you go to your friend's house and, and your friend's house is all beautiful and smelling all pretty and got the vanilla air freshener thing happening in there. It's so beautiful. And you know your house smell like whatever your kids spilled on the floor, huh? And you feel like, man, they just got it together, but I'm such a mess they're so organized or, 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 you know, I can go on and on about that. Or your friend looks so pretty, she can go get her hair done every week, but you like pinching pennies to get your hair done and you wish you could get your nails and stuff done, but, but your friend gets it done and you're like, man, I'm, I'm just not on their level. I'm so inadequate. Or you look on Facebook and you see somebody who graduated and you're like, man, I knew I should have went back and got that master's. And you're feeling all down and beat up about yourself because you didn't do a certain thing. And some of y'all feel, feel spiritually inadequate. That, that's my story. Even today, I get around pastors and they're, they're studying for their doctorates and they start talking and they're going on and on. And they're like, man, did you read the book? One brother asked me the other day, he says, man, what are you reading? And I was like, Man, man, I'm reading uh, Dr. Seuss. That's what we read last night. And he's like, looked at me, and I was like, oh, man, I got to make something up. I'm reading this book about being better person. Um, and, and, and he's like, who's the author? I was like, um, uh, I forgot, but the book is brown, and it teaches you how to be a better person. And somewhere in there, I know God is in there. And he's like, okay. Well, have you read Malcolm Gladwell's? I was like, who is that? He started throwing names. Okay, see, somebody going to say, see, I felt inadequate just that moment. Thank you. Thank you. I won't even say your name, Dorothy. I'm sorry. <laughs> that instant, I'm not reading. Everybody's reading. They're going through books, and I'm not, so I'm feeling inadequate. Or, or y'all, y'all been in, in areas where they're like, hey, man, can y'all pray? And y'all get together and pray, and they say this prayer that, you know, even God gave them that for. And then they're like, okay, your turn. And you're like, uh, thank you. Jesus wept. Amen. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's not just me. Well, we're going to get past that today. I want to tell you something. The reason why we feel inadequate, let me give you, I just want to give you a set of foundation before we get into some meat here. I'm going to give you some foundational stuff. Here's what, what, what Craig, Craig Rochelle says, and I love it, and I agree 110%. Why do we feel inadequate? If you're taking notes, here you go. Unfair criticism. Unfair criticism. Someone at some point in our lives, and all of us can agree, boyfriend, girlfriend, mama, daddy, cousin, neighbor, somebody at some point in your life has told you you'll never amount to anything. I wish I never had you. You're such a disappointment. Can't you do anything right? I wish you were more like such and such. I, I wish our marriage was more like so-and-so's marriage. I, I wish somebody has told you something in your life to make you feel inadequate, un, 
fair criticism. Uh, the other one is unrealistic compliments. Unrealistic compliments. You're so incredible. You're the best. There's nobody better than you at what you do. You, you are just phenomenal. And at the same time, they're saying that you're like, I can't live up to that hype. I'm, I'm so guilty of that. When people come and say, man, that word you brought on Sunday, Pastor, woo, that touched my life. And I was like, man, I wish I could take part of credit for that, but that's all God. Man, man, you, man you're such a great guy. Nah, not me. I particularly love when people come up and say, man, you have such a perfect marriage. Your family is so beautiful. And I agree with that part. We are, we are a pretty good-looking family. But the truth of the matter is, we are a doggone mess like the next couple. Because all you are seeing is our highlight reel. You're not seeing the behind-the-scenes stuff, the work that requires the constant prayer, the tears, the worry when it's budget time. Let's sit down and do the budget. Oh, man, my stomach started hurting so bad instantly. I'm sick. <laughs> you know, we, you don't see that. Here's something interesting about unrealistic compliments. I think we've done a huge disservice to the next generation. There was a time where you actually had to earn some things. They, I don't remember this. My, my wife claims she does. She remembers actually graduating from kindergarten. Y'all remember that? I don't remember that. What did you accomplish? It's kindergarten. You're, I know my name. You get a cap and gown. I thought, I don't remember it. I just don't. Maybe I skipped kindergarten. I'm just that wise. I don't know. Uh, I thought that you had to go through 12 years of school, and then you graduate. They graduate kindergarten. Here's the other disservice, and I, and I realized it, and I'm going to tell my story, when I, when I had my son in basketball. So for years, he played in a, in a, in a sports league. I won't say their name because I love the league, but he played in a sports league where participation was all that was required. We don't keep score. Everybody gets a trophy. You get an award. And I thought that was cool. Like, hey, that's a great intro into sports. That's true. Basically, you spend your money, your kid gets an, uh, a uniform and an award at the end and a celebration. We're going to have a clown and all of that stuff. And so what happens is I set my son up for failure because he was the best on the team for basketball because he was playing with a bunch of kids that were no better than he was or even worse. And so he was killing it out there. He was the best in soccer. So I stepped it up. I said, we're going to put him in a rec league. I think you can handle it. And we went to one practice tryout, and my son was very short for his age, and we went to this basketball tryout, and these little boys, man, they looked like miniature Allen Iversons. They had crossovers that on the bench, like their crossover was so mean, the whole bench slid when they slid. So if you don't know what a crossover is, that's when you take the ball, you switch hands, and you kind of fake it out. The kid was so good doing that, the whole bench moved when he did it a kid. And I was like, I can't, I, I don't even want none of that. He can't, he, he called me, I'm, I don't want none, little man. You might, you might embarrass me. And so they're doing these drills where you have to go, they got cones out, they're doing the drills, you have to go down to the cone, there's a, it's shaped like a triangle, there's one to the left, one to the right, one at the top. So you have to fake the cone out that's in front of you, go to your left, go around it, take it through your legs, lay it up with your left hand if you're going on the left side of the hoop. Then you had to do the exact same thing on the right side and take it through your legs. And I was nervous at that point because I know for a fact I never taught my son to take the ball through his legs. 
So I'm like, what is he going to do? What is he going to do? So he gets down to the point. They're like, okay, now take it through your legs. And he lifted his leg up. Don't y'all laugh at my baby. And he took it through his legs, and he went and laid it up with the right hand on the left side of the hoop, and it was just bad. But it's, I, I, and I was just apologizing. I went to the court. They're like, yeah, you know, uh, I was a musician when I was a kid. I never played basketball. What is a basketball anyway? So it's my fault, you know. I was taking all the blame, and my son to this day refuses, refuses to play basketball because he played in this league where just participating, you were a winner. And I think that's such a huge disservice. That's an unfair compliment. It's an unfair because what happens is these kids think that, you know, just because you participated, they'll get out in the real world and they'll get their first rejection letter from college. And they're ruined. They're depressed. They're hurt. They don't want to go outside. They don't want to do anything. Then they'll get out of college and get their first uh, denial letter or say, hey, we got a better candidate and thank you for applying. And they're crushed. They won't even apply for jobs anymore. It's such a huge disservice. And I get the idea behind it. You know, you want to give them an opportunity because in the real world, you know, uh, growing up, when I was coming up, you had to actually compete. You actually had to try out, and you actually may not be, be making. But we have to remind our kids there are stars like Michael Jordan, who was cut from his basketball team in high school, I believe, and is today one of the greatest players to ever play the doggone game. We have to remind them that it's okay to be cut. Keep trying. Work harder. Amen? Unfair compliments, unrealistic compliments. The third one is unwise comparisons, unwise comparisons. I just read an article the other day. It says social media is, 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 is a big contributor to our inadequate feelings. We go on Instagram and, and, and we see people, and I'm good for this because every time I go out on a date with my wife, I'll post the pictures and stuff. And people are like, oh, that's so cool. Y'all went on a date. I haven't went on a date with my husband in like two years. And I'm like, yeah, it's been, a, it's, been, it's been a couple months since I took my wife off, but I'm just showing out right now. I need to step my game up. But you don't know that. Why? Because all you see in social media is my highlight reel. All you see is the best moments of my life. All you see are the best moments of your friend's life. You see their kids all, you know, nice and clean and sharp, and your kids walking around with mismatched socks, you know, and you're like, man, we just, we just don't got it together. But that family's so beautiful. They got it together, and it's like all you're seeing is their highlight reel. You haven't seen their behind-the-scenes stuff to get to that point. You're looking at people's followers. They got 10,000 followers. I only have 10. I'm, I'm not popular. I'm not as cool as them. We unfair, unrealistic comparisons, unwise comparisons, I should say. Let's read some scripture here, and we're going to use the story of Gideon to kind of give us some directions on how to move past that and, 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 and kind of begin to see how God sees us. If you were uh, taking notes, we're going to be in the book of Judges, Judges 6, 11 through 16. We find these words, starting with 11. Then the angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abizer. Gideon, son of Joash, was, tre- was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. Let's pause right there. I want to I talk to you about that real quick. So when you are threshing wheat, 
Typically in those days when you were threshing wheat, you did it in a big open area on top of a hill because the, the, the shell casing of the wheat grain, which is called the chaff, was would, would, after you got the, the good grain out of the wheat, that was simply because you're on a hill, the wind would blow that away. You didn't have to throw it away. It would blow it away. And so when you're threshing wheat in those days, that's what you would do. Here we find Gideon, because he's afraid of what's going to happen to him, he's running away because their army, their troop, their people have been defeated. Uh, he's hiding in a pit right now. He's in a pit because he doesn't want the people to the, the people who are looking for him, who are, who are overtaking the land, to see him. So he's hiding in a pit, doing threshing the wheat, so that he's not being caught. Just hold on to that thought. We're going to talk about that. So that's what's going on there. He's, when he's threshing the wheat, he's hiding in a pit so that they don't see him. Verse 12, the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Let's pause right there. What he should have said is, mighty punk, the Lord is with you. He called him a hero. The angel called him a hero, a hiding person who's sitting there hiding, shuckled up, uh, doing his little thing, called him a hero. Can you imagine that? You hiding, running away from somebody, and somebody knocking on the door and say, hey. And you're like, who is it? And they're like, it's the angel. I got something to tell you. You sure it's the angel? What's your proof? So you find out that it's, it's the angel, and you open the door, and the angel's like, hero, how are you? And you're like, I'm a hero? I'm in here hiding. I don't even want you to know my name, but you're calling me a hero? I want you all to hold on to that thought. The angel of the Lord calls him a hero when he's hiding, when he's timid, when he's not courageous. 13, sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles of our ancestors told us, that our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you, God, I am sending you. Here's what happens when God calls us. Listen, this is really, this is really important. Here's what happens when God calls us to do something. When it's truly a God calling, here's what happens. Your external enemy will tell you what you are not. When God calls you immediately, when you start thinking about what God is going, when God starts telling you, hey, Jasmine, I want you to go, and it sounds ridiculous, but I want you to go to the outer ends of the earth, and I want you to minister to a girl named Miriam. She's going to be staying in a certain place. I want you to go there. You can be like, what in the flip? Are you serious? As soon as that, that what in the flip is your enemy telling me, telling you, you can't. No, that sounds crazy. But here's the other news. Your internal inner me will often play the negative messages that the ego has been conditioned to approve. Your internal inner me will begin to play the messages that your that uh, will begin to play the negative messages that your ego has been conditioned to approve. Jasmine, go to the outer ends of the earth, and I want you to get to this place, and I want you to speak to a girl named Miriam. 
what the flip? Are you, you I, don't, I don't even know how I'm going to get the money. I, don't even, I, don't even, I ain't never been to that place. Do I got to get shots to go there? All of this stuff. And, your negative, and the negative inner you is starting to like agree with it. Like, yep, you're right. You don't have the money. Yep, you're not qualified. But God has told you. He's burdened you. He's given it to you in a dream. He's given you confirmation after confirmation, but you've not connected with it because your inner me is playing those negative messages that you are not qualified. Verse 15, but Lord, Gideon replied, but Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Let me say it how some of us may say it. God, how can you be calling me? I am not smart enough. God, are you sure it's me? I am not the prettiest amongst us. God, are you sure it's me? I grew up poor. I can't possibly do it. God, are you sure it's me? I, don't even, I didn't even have both parents. How could you be calling me to do something like that? God, are, are you sure it's me? I don't have the talent, and I'm certainly not godly enough. And all of these messages that our inner me tells us about who we, what we can't do, God has already said we can, but we're not listening. Final verse, 16, the Lord said to him, I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. You, the coward who's hiding away whom I've already classified and identified you as a hero. If we translate that word hero from the biblical context, it means mighty warrior. It means mighty warrior. You hiding in this little pit, afraid of what I've telling. And I'm telling you now, before you even start the battle, you are a mighty warrior. And I'm going to give you everything you need to defeat the entire army single-handedly. With your weak tribe and your weak self, I got you, baby. Now, just let me do what I do best. Today, we will lay down our ego at the altar, the thing that we think of who we are, the thing we think about ourselves. When your enemy is sending messages of inadequacy, remember these three things about you. This is some more notes for you. One, God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. And, I, and we're going we're to talk about this word think because your ego has everything to do with your thinking. Nothing to do with your true identity. Your ego has everything to do with your thinking, nothing to do with your DNA. It's all about how you think about yourself. It's all about your perception. God's view of you is different than you think. Judges 6.12, this is what, 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 what he said. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said to the Lord, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I'm inadequate. I'm, 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 God, why are you calling me the pastor? I'm, I'm not that smart, man. I've only preached a few sermons in my life, and you calling me the pastor of this church now? I'm going to lead these people into a, a dead end, man. 
You sure it's me? It's me that you seek? And God is like, yes, it's you. You, you seem inadequate, but you are not. You think you're inadequate, but you're not. I've told you who you are and what you are. Will you listen? Will you receive it? I remember when Erica <laughs> decided that uh, it was a running joke with us because we were having baby after baby after baby. And so we, we had this thing. If we have it, she told me, she says, we have another kid. If I get pregnant again, you know, we're going to homeschool because child care is expensive. I mean, with Brooke and Broderick at one point, at one time, they were in, in private daycare. We spent $25,000 that year in just daycare. They weren't, I mean, they, I mean that's so they can change their diaper, junior's diaper at least, feed them a lunch, and play activities with them to work on their motor skills and maybe teach Brooke some words. $25,000. We're like, we cannot afford this. So my wife was like, if I get pregnant again, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to homeschool and I'm not going back to work. And I was like, yeah, right. You th- I mean, you know, I'm a musician. You know, I may have a good month and I may not have a good month. I may have a bunch of gigs and some months I don't have a bunch of gigs. You know, I mean, it's what I do for a living. And then my other uh, career path was real estate. I may sell a house uh, this year. I may not sell a house this year because the market changed that drastically. I went from selling a whole bunch of houses in a year to selling maybe three or four for the year. And then after that, it was just like, how many houses am I renting? You know, so I'm like, you sure you're going to quit work? We can't do that. We can't do that. But no worries. You're not going to get pregnant. Watch what you say. Watch what you say. Took me a whole six months before I believed that she was pregnant with Sydney. You are not pregnant. You just got gas. That's all that is. It's going to pass. It's going to want me to push on your belly a little bit. <laughs> you ain't pregnant. Doctor's like, yeah, she's pregnant. Nope. You're wrong. You're lying. Don't be lying. And then Sydney came, long and short. And we were panicking like nobody's business. Panicking. We didn't have the finances. We didn't have... You know, we weren't prepared. We, it, we didn't have the room. We had a small townhouse. We were like bunched in. And God says, I got it. Just trust in me. Just, 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 just trust in me. First of all, I blessed you with the baby because I know what you can handle. So you can thank me for that. Oh, yeah, thank you, God. Now, if you trust me, you will not need anything. Our kids have never gone hungry. No, no, you know, utilities never been cut off, never had any notices on my door. God has blessed us, and she's homeschooling. My wife made a very big sacrifice. She was, she was the breadwinner in our family. I'm not ashamed to say it, but I wasn't changing my career to be the breadwinner. That's what I do. That's, you, met, you married me, I'm a musician. You want to hang, we can hang. I'm not changing career paths. That's what I love to do. I already made the sacrifice, but God says, do that. We'll take care of the rest. So she gave up a really lucrative career so that she can do that. And there's, and I've heard people say, man, you know, instead of y'all struggling, she should just go back to work. And I say, the work that she spends with our kids every day, that education, that's, that's, that's worth more than millions of dollars. Millions of dollars. And that's where I'd rather her be. She's happier. When we had a lot of money, we fought a lot about bills. We got less money. Man, we don't argue about money at all. You may argue about the house being messy, but not money. That's a whole different story. But money is not our argument. 
It's the greatest decision we've made. Why? Because it was a God decision, not a Broderick and Erica decision. It was a God decision. Moving on. You are different. You, you, in God's view of you is different than you think. Let me give you some biblical examples. I love this. One of my favorite characters in the book. Y'all, y'all ever heard of this woman named Rahab? Huh? Y'all know who Rahab was? Huh? She was a prostitute, right? And, 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 and they all, view, y'all know how they viewed prostitutes back then. They, they would probably kill you sometime. But she was a prostitute. Nobody looked at her, you know, looked at her as a great person. But do you know that she's in the Old and the New Testament? She was that great of a woman. We ain't going to talk about her career path, but she was that great of a woman that she made the Old and the New Testament. She made the Hall of Fame of the most faithful people in the Bible, a prostitute who, who did. And if you don't know the story, I'll just give you a quick thing. She, she hid some, some folk, some spies, so that they could, you know, be prepared to take over this land. And she protected them, and they spared her life in the process And because, because she protected them. And long and short, and because they spared her, she went from being a prostitute to eventually marrying a very holy man, by a, a guy by the name of Solomon. She married him, and, 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 and we know through her genealogy, this great man, his name was, um, uh, oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was his name. It's from that same genealogy, a prostitute who could have been murdered. Everybody saw her as just a lowly prostitute. God saw her as a woman with great potential to do the things I need her to do to build up my kingdom. We are not who we think we are. We are different than God's view of us. Watch this. I'm going to tell you about another guy. There was this little old dude who uh, was really, he was a beast with the slingshot. I mean, he was a beast. He, he, they wouldn't let him participate because he was little, uh, and, and, and he was a little shepherd. And so there was a big war, and there was this huge giant that, that measured to be about 8 to 10 feet tall, and, and everybody was scared of this giant. But this little old dude uh, grabbed his slingshot and, and, you know, took him out, and then he didn't just knock him out with the, with the rocks. He chopped his head off. Um, everybody looked at him and says, he's not qualified. He's too little. The equipment barely fits on him. His name was David. Y'all know that person in the Bible? Yeah. You know, everybody saw him as not qualified, not good enough, too small. And then, and then when he eventually became king, right, he did some terrible things. Oh, man. He, like, saw this old fine girl just taking a bath when he should have been out there fighting. But he decided to stick around and just... So happened to peek out the window and saw this old fine woman. I mean, she was fine. Mm. As my father would say, she was fine as frog hair. You know you got to be, the, you know, fine. I mean, frog hair is like that thin. It's really fine. Anyway, she was fine, and he just so happened to be looking while she was bathing, and he started having thoughts, and they did some things, and he took advantage of her, and he got her pregnant and had her husband killed. Terrible. He shouldn't have. He's, 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 I don't even know why God even let this guy stay around, but he is the only man in the entire Bible that's known as a man after God's own heart. All right, okay, let me tell you one more person. This guy named um, Peter. Y'all know Peter, right? Peter, this guy had so many flaws. He had anger management issues, would cut people's heads off. He was a doubter. He, like, told, told the people, I don't know that man. I don't know that man. I don't know that man. But, but, but Jesus said, I, my rock, Peter, you're my rock. Everybody, even Peter, didn't see himself as worthy of that. But, but Jesus says, rock, you, Peter. Yeah, I know you jacked up. I know you messed up. I know, you're, I know some things are going to happen in our relationship. But 
I'm going to build my church upon you, my rock. My rock. God's view of you is different than you think. Number two, God has given you more than you think. God has given you more than you think. Judges 6.14 says this, Go in the strength that you have and save Israel out of the Midianites' hand. I am sending you. What did he say? Go in the what? Go in the what? Say this with me. Go in the strength you have. You see, if you're taking notes, you should have that. Go in the strength you have. Say this with me. Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. The strength you have. He didn't say, go to the store, purchase a little bit more strength. He didn't say, yo, go get your posse. Y'all get together and all y'all strength. He says, go with what you have. Just take what you got and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. How many of us sit on our hands because we don't think we have enough? Huh? Thank you. Thank you for being honest. Huh? Huh? We all do. Oh, no, the timing ain't right. I, I just need just a little, I, need, I just need a little bit more time. I love when I come talking to guys who are in love. They, found, they come, man, yo, yo, B, man, I found this girl. She's perfect, man. I love her. This is wifey right here. I'm like, cool. Y'all set a date? No, you see, I just got to, I got to, I just got to get some things together in my life. You know, I just got, I want to get myself right. It's like, then you've not found the right one. Because if you found the right one, she's going to take you with all your mess, and y'all going to build together. That's why she is called your helpmeet. Not helpmate, your helpmeet. She helps to meet the goals that God has set for you as the head of her family. I hate when brothers say that and drag these beautiful women along for these six- and seven-year engagements. It don't take six or seven. Why are you dragging her along? And I often say, and I could be completely wrong, you're just trying to pacify this sister. You know her clock is ticking. You know she's mentioned marriage. Her friends are getting married. You don't want to look like a loser, so you get her the ring, but you have no intentions on marrying her anytime soon. I know those guys way too well. Oh, it got quiet in here. All right, I hope none of y'all are like that. I remember when I decided to step out on faith and pursue my music career full-time. Prior to that, I had a great job. I was a account manager at uh, AT&T, great benefits. I was on the phone with AT&T the other day reminiscing about it. It was a really great job. I was happy. I, I, I thought I could do that. But, you know, the band that I started at Morehouse College, we decided we would cut a CD together, and we cut the CD, and it had great success. And, you know, the, the, the conversation started where we'd go on tour and all of this stuff. And so... Um, at the time, I didn't have much percussion. Why? Because prior to that, I, I had a great set of percussion, but I ended up pawning it to pay some bills. And so I was like, you know, maybe I'll borrow some people's stuff. So I ended up, end up doing enough gigs to buy one drum. I had one conga drum. And I says, I'm going to use this one conga drum to buy me a set of conga drums. And that's what I did. All I had was one. And I says, God, if you've called me truly to, to, to make a career at this God-given talent, because it's a God-given talent. There's no other musician in my family, none. So I know God blessed me with this. If you call me to do this, God, then you would provide for me. And sure enough, with that one conga drum, 
I performed here, I performed there, bought a set. Eventually, I ended up composing for Emmy Award-winning movies. I've traveled the world uh, touring with one conga, the strength that God gave me, and prayer. One conga. Use what you have. Use what God has given you. You have already more than you need. You have already in your possession more than you need to do what God has called you to do. I love what Peter, Second Peter says. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. I saw a whole bunch of hands up when I asked that question earlier. It took y'all a while to admit it, you know. I understand. We're all ashamed, but we're going to put that down. So what I want y'all to do is help me out here. This is one of these, these sermons where I'm going to need some feedback because I want you to— they say if you say something sometimes— you tend to follow through with it more. If you say it, you believe it. If you say it to yourself out loud, it, it resonates. It sticks with you. You remember it. So I want you all to say this with me. We're going to read that scripture. And I'm going to tell you where I want you all to jump in. Second Peter 1 and 3. His divine power has given us everything we need. I want you all to jump in with me on that. Ready? His divine power has given us His divine power has given us You sure I didn't say some of what we need? Did it say maybe a quarter of what we need? A little bit? It says what? Everything. Everything. What have you been dreaming about that you've put on hold, that you've put on the shelf? What have you been, what is that thing that's been burdening you for the past five years that you still don't think you're qualified for? Doggone it. Do it now. You have what? Say that with conviction. You have what? Everything you need, everything. Quit waiting on some, some, some crazy opportunity that's going to change it all the way around. I, I hate when people say, when I hit the number, I'm going to do this. You done spent $2 million in the lotto and ain't won five yet. Stop, Go. There's no such thing as dreams deferred. You're the one who's putting them on the ferment, not God. We'll move on. We will move on from that because I really want you all to realize just how wonderful. And remember, you are God's masterpiece. You are not, when I say you're his masterpiece, you're not like a painting that you find at the flea market. His masterpiece. His masterpiece meaning his greatest work of art, his greatest creation ever. You are it. It didn't stop with his son. It continued to you all, to us, to me, to you, you, me. We are his greatest creation ever, and we have everything we need. So stop with the excuses. Stop. Put one foot forward, and God will take care of the rest. Just just take a step out there. Take a step out there. Three, it's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. So often we think it's, it's, it's about us, and, and we're looking at how am I going to benefit from it. I talk about this a lot, and, and that's just the hardest thing even for me uh, to, to, to just is, is thinking outside of myself and thinking more of others. You know, it's just hard, especially when we live in a consumer society, right? It's very difficult. 
It's very difficult to, to, just, to, to just think of others and not think of ourselves. Somewhere in there, we're thinking about our own needs. We, and it's, it's normal in, in our society. But it's so much less about you. Judges 6.16 says this, the Lord answered. He told Gideon this. He says, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites together. One blow. You're gonna ha- you are going to do it. Imagine this right now. I mean, and this is a real question. Who thinks that they can be the next president of the United States of America? I mean, that's a real question. You really think so? That's good. That's good. We got one person who really thinks that. What if those who said, I don't, you know, who didn't respond, what if God says he puts his burden on you? Mike, you're my next president. I mean, seriously, burdened you. Waking up in the middle of the night with, with, with visions of what your campaign is going to look like, and you're like, I don't even have a political bone in my doggone body. I'm not a Democrat or a Republican or an aristocrat, or I'm just not even a cat. I'm not even part of that stuff. You serious? But all of a sudden, you start having these burdens, these visions, these thoughts, these, 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 these in the middle of the night moments where God is speaking to you saying, you can do it. And all of a sudden, he sends people that have some, some political affiliation in your life. You're like, why all of a sudden all of these politically uh, 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 popular people in my life? I've, I've never been connected. Then will you start to believe that maybe you could stand a chance at being the next president? And then all of a sudden, a chance at counter, you, 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 you're hanging out at Morehouse uh, during their graduation ceremony, because that's where President Obama would be speaking this way. And, and, and you go and you, you hang out there, and, and he walks by and he says, Michael. And you're like, President Obama know my name? The confirmation is getting closer and closer to you what? actually pursuing what God has already told you. I know that's crazy. I know that's, that's all the way out there. But that's just an example of just how outrageous God can be with doing things in your life. Had you told me just 15 years ago that I was going to be a pastor, I would have slapped you with your own Bible like, are you stupid or what? <laughs> and if you kept saying it, I would have went further and said, are you stuck on stupid? Me, pastor? <laughs> Christian? <laughs> you must be high. What you smoking past that day? That was me 15 years ago. I would have asked for you to pass it on the left-hand side. Bottom line is, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm joking here a little bit. Bottom line is, God is with us. We may not know what the future looks like, but he does, and we have to trust him. We have to trust him with everything. When God calls you to do something, it's less about your power. If God says, Michael, you'll be the next president, you better say, okay, all right, all right. It's not about what I can do. I don't have a political bone in my body. God's like, but I I got something for you. You're going to be the first uh, publicly known pastor in, well, in, yeah, in the presidency that I know of, I mean, think. I'm not good with history, but we'll just say that's the case. At any rate, you'll be the first African or African-American pastor, president, at any case, for sure. You have to go with it. 
It's not about your will or your power or, your, or, or what you have in your bank account or what you have in your knowledge tank. It's about what God has, and we need to learn that. Any, whatever you're thinking about, whatever your dreams are, whatever your goals are, start relying on God and less on you. That's the only way His plan is accomplished, not because you're helping Him out. The audacity of you to think that you're helping God out. Wow. When God calls you to do something, it's less about your power, more about His presence. If you feel inadequate, God is with you. God is with you. And whatever He says to do, step into it. Final scripture, one of my favorites. And y'all can eat on this for a long time because you're probably eating on this scripture right now. When your head is bowed, you feel inadequate. They just turned you down for that promotion that you knew you were super qualified for. They just told you, no, nah, you can't come to get your master's right now. Or they accept you and you're like, how am I going to pay for it? I want you to realize this. When God says, I want you to do something, Philippians 4, 13 says this, For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Some of y'all Baptist folk who like King James, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the Shakespearean version. Huh? That's Pentecostal. I need some runners. Normally in the Pentecostal church, when they say that, they start running. You know, come on, give me some runners then. You can do everything through Christ who gives you strength. Man, if that ain't good news, I don't know what good news is. That means that I can just step out. God says, I have a vision for you, Sharon. I, I know it seems impossible. I, you can come with the music right now because I'm rapping it. I know it seems impossible. I know it seems like you don't have the resources. I know it seems that you're not qualified. But trust me, just go ahead and step out there. I know it seems shaky. I know, I know you're wobbling a little bit. But take that. Go ahead. Go ahead. Bring that other leg. I know it's hard. Bring that other leg. Ah, I know as you're going, you may fall down, but it's my strength that's going to lift you up. I know it's going to be times where they're going to tell you no, but it's going to be my yes that makes the difference. I know it's going to be times when they're going to say you're denied, but it's my answer of you are approved that's going to make the difference. I know it's going to be times when your friends are moving at a faster pace than you, but don't worry, baby. It's not about the speed. It's about the direction of where you're going. If you are going the way that I'm sending you, you will get there on my strength on my power with my resources. All you need to do is step into what I've called you to do and lay that altar, lay that ego that you think of yourself as being inadequate, lay that on the altar. Do it today. Lay that on the altar and let me take care of the rest. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others, our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.